episode 212 of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. I might even play a little acoustic guitar at the end of today's episode. Thrilled you're here. I'm Eddie Cohn, host, creator of the show. Yeah, excited you're here. Got a lot on my mind. May end the, may end the show playing a new song. Or You know what it is? I, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. I was listening to the new Ryan Adams record on the airplane. I've been listening to the latest War on Drugs record. And I have felt so inspired to play my guitar. I haven't played my guitar in like five years. I've been obsessed with synthesizers and production and drum loops, which has been great. But I have this newfound appreciation for my guitar, and I'm just obsessed with it. I can't stop playing it. It's fantastic. And I think I, I had this guest on my show, Lee Hester. It'll post next week. And we really connect a lot about this culture of ours. And just a really brief point before I dive further into some other topics, but I think we came to the resolution or the conclusion together that if you're in your 40s, maybe even your 50s, but if you know the society that we used to live in before social media and this onslaught of technology, I think there's a lot of people out there that struggle with with this current world that we live in because we sort of lament or think back about the times before tech. Certainly we feel the conveniences of technology, but I do think we long for a world where people aren't so distracted. I think we long for face-to-face conversations. When I was speaking to Lee, I just felt his heart open up and talk about some of the similar areas that I that I struggle with. And it's sort of like navigating creativity and artistry in this world of ours. It's, it's a very confusing landscape. And so we talk about it. And I'm actually going to have him on my show twice because we didn't even get a chance to dive into his backstory and, and how he got into music. But it's, I'm excited to post the podcast. It'll post probably in about a week. But we touch on something else that I want to talk about today. Look, I know when I when I talk about the world, there's sort of this quixotic element where I can sound naive, like maybe I'm longing for and yearning for this sort of perfect utopia, which I know is certainly impossible. But I'm getting the sense that we are on a runaway train, and it's not going to stop. There is nothing that I can do, you can do, Anybody can do to stop it. And so I've spent, you know, a good portion of my time trying to make sense of this really bizarre, destructive, also beautiful, but very confusing world. And I talk about it with my guests. It's almost almost a therapeutic element to it all as I speak to people as we try and dissect this strange, mystical world that we live in. And I think after the terrible shooting at Uvalde, first of all, I really think that tragic event is symbolic of the effect of living in this 
runaway train, fast-paced, technology-obsessed world. Parents are overwhelmed raising kids in the social media world. No wonder mental health is at an all-time low. Violence is pornographic, almost unrealistic, almost there's this beautification to violence on film and television where it doesn't even feel real. We have about 330 million people in the United States, and they're saying at last count over 400 million guns. So you add all of this up, and tragedy happens. I mean, it's happening every evening in cities like Chicago. But that event at Uvalde really is sort of the summation of a world where chaos and this runaway train ensues. And I think another point here that's so interesting to me, and I've, I've talked about this, living in this sort of natural-born killers, MTV world that we live in. You know, you have the story with Uvalde, and of course CNN talks about it, and Fox News talks about it, and it's in the newspapers, and the New Yorker is writing about it. But something that I noticed about three days ago, the stories were gone. They were replaced by Johnny Depp, Amber Heard. They were replaced by another shooting in Philadelphia. They were replaced by uh, the water shortages here in California. I mean, I've said this innumerable times. Difference between now and the 90s, if something tragic happens, you, you lived with it back in the 90s, even early 2000s. Now, information, news is, is just like this bullet train. You see it, feel it for a day or two, then moving on. And you can't evoke change in yourself, in society, in this frenetic pace world that we live in right now. It's impossible. So it's just one point that I, I wanted to bring up about if, if you notice the news cycle, if you notice the world, it's like the news mirrors the way that we consume. It's just fast and furious. I want to play a clip from the Bill Maher show where he has Michael Schellenberger, and I think this is, yeah, this is Douglas Murray speaking. And I think he articulates it very well, you know, and, and part of what I'm going to get into later in the show is it, talking about it doesn't change anything. And, and we're living in a world now where everybody's talking. But what are people doing? You know, I've said this to you. I've said this to you in nauseam. Are you just a passive participant in the in this society? Are you sitting, consuming all day and then talking? Talking takes the place of actually doing something. Douglas Murray spilling um, spelling it out, I think, brilliantly. I was always told when I came to America from Britain that British people who speak like me should never talk about two things abortion guns uh, because we can never understand it and there is something in that uh, I actually have tried very hard to understand and I do understand 
why the gun issue exists in America, the people who are very committed to it, who see the Second Amendment as an absolutely crucial part of America's freedoms. And I understand their fear always that like, the guns are going to be taken away. Nevertheless, saying as an outsider, it is it's still inexplicable to me that a guy at the age of 18 can go into a shop and buy a battlefield-style weapon and he'd have to wait another three years to buy a beer in a bar. There is Let's at least switch those two things around. Uh, let's get used to beer before we try to get used to battlefield weapons. Oh, hey, Nelly. My cat just came in to say hello. And what's even more disconcerting to me is the reaction. The Ted Cruz is saying, all we needed to do was have the door shut. We need more armed guards. <laughs> ben Shapiro and, and I almost feel ashamed posting. I, I shared a clip or two about Ben Shapiro maybe two months ago. Not, not that I'm a Ben Shapiro supporter, but I think when he was speaking to Russell Brand, I really respond to people that talk about values. And we're going to talk about the, we're going to talk about that today also, or I am. And I spoke about it with Lee. You know, what do we value? And I, I think. As I've said ad nauseum, you know, people are valuing not their free time, not love, not their heart, not relationships, but they value attention. They value consuming as much as possible. So I think Ben touched on some, I think, pretty important values that are really important to hold on to in our culture. Now, with that being said, when he is talking about mental health is the reason and we need more mental health. Um, support groups, you know, and he's reading off this list. Oh, if, if, you know, here's a perfect sign of somebody who was injuring himself and we should have known that, that something like this was going to happen with this perpetrator in Uvalde. And this idea of anybody talking about limiting guns, raising the uh, age limit to 21 from 18, you know, Joe Biden is going on television and saying that we need to do something, that we need to make changes, and, and people that are so pro the Second Amendment refuse to acknowledge that maybe we have lost our privilege. Maybe something needs to be done. So you have these people on the right saying it's all about mental health. We have to close doors. We need more security guards. And then people on the left, it's all about more laws, more restrictions, and it's sort of like, guys, it's about everything. We need help everywhere. We need to do all of these things, or at least some of these things, or a little, a little bit of everything. But you know as well as I, and this sounds very glass half empty, a bit misanthropic here, but is... It, it nothing's going to change. It, it just hit me square in the face this last week, watching these pundits and commentators on Fox and uh, CNN saying that they want to take your guns away, just like in Australia. It's your God-given right. And then we're talking about mental health and doors being shut. And it's just a bunch of, bunch of talk. 
nobody can come up with a solution because it's too complicated and we're making things even more complicated. There is no panacea that is going to correct this toxic societal ailment that is hovering over our society. It's this runaway train of poor mental health, of violence, of disconnection. And I've talked about it, and I think I'm tired of it. And what's even more tiresome is there is nothing that we can culturally do to change it. So, actually, before I get into the potential solutions here, um, I wanted to read an article from Barry Weiss's Substack, and it's from Kathleen Stock. I'm not going to read the whole article. But it touches on what I'm discussing. It says, To the class of 2022, maybe don't reach for the stars. What I'd like to point out is that in terms of large-scale influence on the political stage, in business, tech, the charity sector, the film industry, or wherever else your individual talents or interests may lie, statistically speaking, you are highly unlikely to make any noticeable difference whatsoever to anything. The world is too large, the competition too great, attention spans too short, and issues too complex and multifaceted. This may sound like bad news, but I actually hope it will come as a huge relief. For I've also noticed that my generation tends to place a heavy burden on your still relatively unblemished shoulders. We have proved ineffectual at sorting out poverty, war, racism, affordable housing, famine, the climate, or even just how to keep track of the TV remote. I'm not saying to act poorly, of course, but maybe not everything in life should be approached with the moral weight of Sophie's choice. You might also consider taking a week or two off from all the endless disapproving and approving, maybe even a whole year. Have some utterless, meaningless fun. Yeah, I think that article contributed to helping me realize it's, it's almost like, you know, Sam Harris, I was listening to his podcast where he's talking about Uvalde. Then, of course, I'm watching CNN and uh, Fox. And it's actually really easy to talk about what happened because it already happened. Because all we're doing is giving our opinion, giving our perspective. We, we like, like our sagate, we're giving our sagacious perspective on how we think it, it could all be remedied. And it's sort of like the Stephen A. Smiths of the world or these sportscasters talking about a sporting event or a coach after the fact. Like, oh, the coach should have done this or Steph Curry should have done this. But it's like when you're in the moment, when you're on the court, when you're uh, living your day-to-day life and maybe you haven't slept well, Maybe you're not eating well. Maybe you can't pay your bills. Maybe you lost your health insurance. Maybe God only knows what happened. You weren't there. 
you weren't in those person that you weren't in that person's shoes. So you really don't have a fair assessment of what to do to how to how to fix the problem. We're all commentating. We're all giving our opinions after the fact. But it's not going to change anything. It's not going to change the fact that this world is chaos. It's insane. It's unpredictable. It's not fair. So what do we do? What do we do? I think, and I'm going to dive in a little bit more here, but find as much joy as humanly possible every single day. It's probably why I've been playing my guitar like crazy. It's probably why I'm reading more. It's probably why I finally went on a vacation. It's why I'm reaching out to friends. I had a talk with a friend from high school that I haven't seen for almost 30 years, 25 years. And we spoke on Zoom. And it was one of the most fulfilling, enjoyable conversations I've had in a long time. Just reminiscing how we were as kids. It's interesting. He he was so surprised. He remembers coming over to my house as a kid and watching me play the drums and play the piano. And I was probably like 14 And he was blown away that he had no idea that I was that good at drums or that I was that good at playing the piano. And he said to me just, you know, last week, he said, you know, why didn't you say anything to anybody at school? And I just found that so interesting. First of all, I don't remember why I didn't say anything. Maybe I was private or um, I didn't feel like telling anybody or I was shy about how I played, even though I was good. But I think that's sort of the huge difference compared to today's society. Like everything we do is public. Everything you do should be posted on social media. And um, yeah, it was just, it was wonderful to talk to him to sort of reflect on how we used to be and, and how much our cultures changed. And so sort of back to the point I was making a few minutes ago, I'm just trying to to exercise and eat well and and do as much joyful things as I possibly can and reach out and and have face-to-face conversations and talk to people because I don't know when the chaos is just going to unleash its fury onto our world at an even more extreme level. Like, I can't predict anything. There's these violent, horrific tendencies that can unleash its fury at any moment. And knowing that the news media and social media is only contributing and amplifying this toxic behavior, we need to look in. We need to really think, and and Marian, I'm going to play a clip where Marianne Williamson is speaking to Barry Weiss, and, and I'm very passionate about the morning. How do you start your day? Lately, I've been playing the guitar every morning before I work. We need, to, we need to build a force field, a mental force field, a spiritual force field, surround ourselves with loving people, a force field that can sustain and, and hold off this, this 
toxic energy that the news media and social media is promulgating every single day. So let me play this clip, Marianne Williamson, beautifully articulating um, the value of the mourning. First of all, every great uh, religious and spiritual tradition emphasizes the mourning, the hours of the morning. When you wake up in the morning is when your mind is most open to new impressions. We wake up in the morning, we take a shower, we take a bath, we brush our teeth. Why? Because you don't want yesterday's dirt to go with you into the day. But you can cleanse your body if you don't cleanse your mind of yesterday's stress then you will not have the day you might want. So you wake up in the morning. If you immediately go to your phone, you immediately go to your computer, you immediately go to the newspaper, you immediately download the consciousness of a very stress-filled world today, then there is no mystery why you are depressed by noon. Mm. So number one, Whatever your practice is, whatever, it could be something, it could be the Bible, it could be the Course in Miracles, it could be daily inspirational reading from Unity Magazine, it could be whatever it is, it could be reading Rumi, it could be reading meditations by whomever, whatever, whatever your particular, that which you respond to, at least five minutes. Uh, Blaise Pascal said that every problem in the world can be traced to man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. If you wake up in the morning and immediately surrender your nervous system to the cacophony of modern life, you will have no chance. I do like the word cleansing that she used and also the word harmony. But then I was thinking as she was speaking, it's, it, look, the phone is a fantastic device. It's like, who cares if you grab the phone first thing in the morning? You know, the, the question is, what are you looking at? If you're grabbing the phone because you have a couple song ideas or you want to journal in your, on your phone, I think that's, that's fantastic. I think the problem is, is that we associate the phone with so many apps and, and rabbit holes that could potentially lead to psychological destruction or disaster. You know, I think we have to be very consciously aware of, of what do we associate the phone with? Do you associate the phone with uh, note-taking, listening to music, and obviously making phone calls? Or, or do you associate it with 25, 30, 40 things? This is what I use to uh, take photos. This is what I use for Instagram and TikTok. This is what I use uh, to take selfies. This is what I use um, to go shopping. I think... It can become very confusing if we associate our phone with over 25 different tasks. You know, Barry has this way of sounding a bit um, hopeless, um, a bit lugubrious when she's talking, like there's nothing we can do to get out of this mess. And again, she also sort of is, is sort of playing the same game where it's, it's just so easy to add commentary to the, to the mess that we see. But what is the root of the problem? And what are we going to do to change it? So let me play a clip of Marianne Williamson. I'll play a couple clips, actually. What has made America spiritually sick? Truth is simple, but life is complicated. So there's the simple answer and the complicated one. The simple answer is that we have stopped putting love first. We have stopped putting values first. We have stopped putting... 
the idea that we're here to love each other, that we're here to walk in humility and loving mercy and doing justice, those things which have traditionally been seen as the core of righteousness, right living, have become not only peripheralized, but almost derided, pictured as quaint. We don't have to think about those things. It sounds so cliche to say thinking of think about think more about love think about think more about treat others how you want to be treated we need to individually change small elements in our life and i think if we all slowly added these more intrinsic elements these more three-dimensional elements taking care of our our minds meditating uh listening to music, going for walks, picking up a guitar, taking classes, meeting friends, less time on social media. If we started to make these adjustments, I think culturally, societally, there would be a big change. I think we would feel it in the air. Look, it's it's complicated, and and there's no easy fix here. But I really think Marianne um, has this way of, and she's a she's a well-known author. I think she has this way of articulating um, complicated issues into a pretty easy, digestible form. So here she is again from that place. And that's why when you were just talking about teen suicide, teen depression, some of the kids who are the greatest at risk uh, come from affluent families. We have built a society where we act as though the things outside us have meaning and the things outside us don't have meaning. Things inside us have meaning, our capacity to reach for one another. When you were talking about some of the traditional rites and rituals, I've been thinking a lot lately how society was so much better when Everybody went to the local parade. Mm -hmm. Everybody knew their neighbors. But these things cannot be solved on in broad stroke levels. They're healed one relationship at a time. Mm -hmm. And I do believe there is a yearning. It, it, Americans realize the sickness that has set in. I, I don't believe that Americans don't realize it. And I also think that we have the required masses of people who are trying in their own way to rebuild the fabric of this nation. I see it everywhere that I go. In the same way that the transcendentalists were a reaction to the Industrial Revolution, you know, we're living through, I think you could argue, a transformation even as profound, maybe more so, which is the digital revolution. Do you think that we're due for another kind of revival like that? And if so, where do you see green shoots of it? We have all come to understand that that tablet is addictive. I know a lot of people, including myself, who know you've got to put that thing down. On one hand, we all know the positive aspects of the internet. I mean, in incredible opportunities for good. But we also know the toll that it's taking. You were talking earlier about a, a lack of sex. I mean, I what it has done to so many of our internal juices, when you see kids, you know, not kids, even like let's say people in their 20s waiting before a movie starts, sitting next to each other, but instead of talking to each other, they're both on their phone, they're both on their tablet. Um, the moment in my life that really impacted me this way was many years ago, I was at a, 
um, I remember where I was. I was at a restaurant in Houston, and there was a table next to me with about four or five adults, and there was a little baby, and the baby was still in a high chair. But the baby had this little screen. I thought this is horrifying mm. because this is the age where that baby's brain should be picking up cues and clues and what social interaction is. And even at that age, this baby was being, uh, was being trained to think the action of life was on the screen rather than the other people at the table. And if you multiply that enough times, you, you have a real dystopia on your hands. Before I let you go, I just was really angry, not only at the incident in Uvalde and then obviously in Buffalo, but the bullshit response. The placating, the finger-pointing, um, these, these fake claims that everybody has the answer. It's as simple as doing this, doing that, closing doors. And while I certainly support a lot more mental health awareness, background checks, uh, I think security is a good idea. Um, uh, I think raising the age limit, I, I, I think so many, I think both high, both sides have viable solutions, but I think we need to stop looking at it as sort of this quixotic solution. Like, I get so, I get so angry when Ben Shapiro was just saying something like on his show or on an interview, we're not going to stop it. We're not going to stop it. We're not going to stop uh, mass shootings. This isn't about stopping it. We have these extreme, um, idealistic, quixotic, uh, romantic notion that we're going to live in this utopia, and we're not going to. We're not going to stop bad things. But if we could just lessen it a little bit, if we could just lower it a little bit, if we could lower the addiction, lower the violent tendencies, if we could just lessen it a little bit, I think the world would be a better place. This isn't about a cure-all, a fix. This isn't about ending it. This isn't about taking your guns away. This isn't about getting rid of social media. It's about having a better understanding of what all of these tools are doing to our society. So... Yeah, I think that Marion Williamson podcast is great with Barry. It's not too long. It's about an hour. Um, I had a great podcast with a mental, with a psychotherapist last week, Guy Woods, that just posted. A great talk with Lee Hester should drop in about a week. And um, yeah, just what can you do to add more joy? Stop trying to change the world. Stop trying to change people's minds. Uh, I'm probably speaking to myself here. Um, just what can we do to slow down, meditate, turn inward, quiet down, travel, and, and, and do things like play the guitar? So thanks so much for listening. I, I'm going to play...
It's been like five years since I've played the guitar, so I'm. It's weird. I'm. I'm actually picking it up again, really pretty fast. And I. I didn't used to be able to finger pick, this well. But it's weird. I. I my brain and my hands are working, much better than I thought, and it's. It's actually exciting. And they actually say doctors say that, uh, playing the guitar is really good for your brain as well. So. Um, I'll play a little bit more, but um, yeah, you know where to find me on social at Eddie Cohn or the Spiritual Spiral Podcast. Please write a review on iTunes or Google Play. That is really helpful. So please give it a five star. Share the show with your friends. I've got tons of amazing interviews and conversations with people in the yoga world, music world. So head back to the library of episodes. And uh, got some new music that's come out on Spotify. I have my new book, SSAFY, Sexy Spirituals Fuck Yoga, which is available now on Amazon. And that is it. As always, thanks so much for listening, supporting, and being a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. Mm-hmm.